0: I would like to announce uh, we're gonna have a, one of my really good friends come preach us the word of God right now. So uh, I'm gonna intro him, but he can come out. This is Hinaro, everybody. Let's just give him some love. Hinaro Hurtado Salinas. I've known Hinaro for I don't know some time. He uh, he got saved. He grew up here in Carp. Got saved here. I'm probably ruining his sermon, but it's pretty awesome. Um, now he's a youth leader here. When I used to do youth here, he was one of my right-hand men, and he loves the Lord. And um, I just want to encourage us, remind us really quick. What we're about to do is open the Bible, and you're going to hear from God. Like, I know that's like, yeah, that's what we do, but these aren't like Hinaro's ideas. This isn't isn't like Hinaro's wisdom. Like, this is all he's going to be doing is like helping us see what is in the Word of God. And this book is what the Holy Spirit uses as primary tool to like speak to us. Like it's the sword of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit wrote this. So if you're into the Holy Spirit, you're about to hear from him as we read the Bible. So just trip out on that. I hope you're excited to hear uh, from him. If you're like, oh, Bo's not going to teach, don't be sad because the <laughs> Holy Spirit's about to teach. So don't worry about it. Um, I'm just going to pray for him and for us, and then we'll get into it. Jesus, thank you so much for your word and your truth and that you speak and that you show up and in, um, just like our own minds that get confused in this world that's confusing and there's all kinds of people saying all kinds of things. I just thank you that your word just cuts through all of that and is clear and you show us who you are and what you've done for us on the cross and what it means to follow you. So God, just help us be just in awe right now that we get to hear from the living God, the King of Kings, that you speak. You're not just far away in heaven, that you speak to us. I just pray for my brother that... Um, he wouldn't be nervous that all these people here are just judging him, uh, even if they are judging him. I just pray that he would have joy as he's preaching your word, God, and help us all just to hear from you and receive from you, and um, more than anything, just see the beauty of Jesus more clearly. So thank you for him. Just bless this time. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I. Well, hello, everyone. Um, like Bo said,
1: my name is Hinaro. Um, a lot of people call me Jin. That's my nickname. That's what they've been calling me uh, almost all my life. But a little bit about myself. Um, I'm from here. I'm from Carpinteria. I'm a local. I went to Carpinteria High School and I played soccer there. Um, this is where I actually came to know the Lord in this sanctuary. I was probably sitting in one of these chairs right here, uh, my senior year of high school, actually. Um, but after that, I went to Westmont, which is a college in Santa Barbara, um, and I studied religious studies. Uh, useful for today. Um, but uh, yeah, I was a religious studies major, and I also played soccer there as well. And I had a great time, but I'm glad it's over. I'm glad for a new phase in my life. Um, just about me personally, uh, I serve here, like Bo said, with the youth, and I absolutely love it. Uh, that was probably the best decision that I've ever made, is starting to help with a youth group. Um, I've been doing it ever since my first year of college, and would recommend to any of you guys, if you're thinking about maybe helping in some way in the church, to like, do a youth group, because it's a blast. Um, I've got to help Travis uh, teach there. Um, I've been doing that for a while. It's been really cool uh, learning and growing in that area. Um, but yeah, that's enough about me. And so now uh, I want to get into the Word of God. We're going to be in the book of James today. If you guys want to turn there, uh, we're going to start off in chapter one, uh, verses nine through 11. Should be on the board, or there. Yeah, awesome. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> So I'll start. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. I'd also like to pray before I start. I know Bo did it, but just to be sure. Um. God, um, I thank you once again uh, for this day. Um, I thank you for your word. Thank you that it's living and it's active, that it's true, uh, that it gives us life, that it guides us, that it's like a lamp unto our feet. And I just pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would just lead me and guide me and speak through me. Father, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase, God. Um, Pray that this teaching would glorify you. Uh, We all love you, Father, and pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I'm very excited to be sharing um, about the poor and the rich today. Um, that's going to be the topic of tonight's sermon. I myself uh, would not consider myself either poor or rich. I would call myself a, a bit of average, but I've been blessed to have basically everything that I've ever needed in life God has provided. But I don't think I would fall into either one of those categories. Um, but since I was growing up, it's always been an interesting topic for me. Um, I can remember, even as a young child, never really being attracted to money. I never had a desire to have money. I never had a want for money. Um, It was just always interesting, and I wondered why I was like this. Um, I remember one particular story uh, I was at the laundromat with my mother. Um, our washing machine had broke down, so we went to the local laundromat here in Carp. And while my mom was doing all the laundry, um, she gave me a couple quarters and sent me over to a machine and said, "Just play in this machine for a while until I'm done. Just don't bother me." So I went over with my three quarters. I was probably about like six or seven, like years old. And I played, put my three quarters in, and like that was it. It probably honestly took like five minutes. And I was kind of sad. I was like, "Oh my gosh, what am I gonna do for the rest of like this hour that I'm here?" But I noticed that in the slots that you put in uh, the quarters in the machines, um, there was another quarter that was stuck inside of it. And my like, six-year-old mind like immediately blew up. Like, why is there a quarter in there? And so I went next door to Taco Grande. It's a Mexican food place. And I grabbed a toothpick. And I came back. And I started poking the quarter with the toothpick. And every time I poked the quarter another quarter would come out of the bottom so it would release a quarter after every time that I started poking this thing and like Honestly, like no joke, I probably could have like, had $20 like, dollars of pure quarters if I would have saved all that money. But instead, I just kept playing games like, over and over and over. And so when my mom was doing the laundry, she was like, how are you still playing? Like, I only gave you like three quarters. And I was like, I just like, started poking this thing with a quarter and like, money started coming out. Um, but like, she even found it like, so curious that like, I didn't keep the money or that I didn't want to. Um, and so this was kind of just the way my life went, even leading up to now. Um, I feel like the Lord is really calling me into ministry and maybe be a pastor one day. Um, And as many of you guys know, pastors don't make that much money. Um, And if I really had a desire to make a lot of money, I would probably be really sad. And it would be really hard for me to make this decision. But I honestly don't really care that much about money. So if this is what the Lord wants me to do, I'm going to do it. Um, So that's my little intro for you guys. Um, And so... Let's get in the text for today. <clears throat> Once again, he says, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. This is such an interesting thing that James is saying here. Why? Because uh, when one comes to know Jesus, there's a radical transformation of one's mind. One starts to think differently. It doesn't, it doesn't think how it used to, but it starts to think of, uh, of things according to the kingdom of God. And here we see that a lowly brother, so one that is lowly, one that does not have much money, or one that is poor in spirit, or one that is in, of, of poor economic condition, they can boast in their exaltation. And what does that mean that they can boast in their exaltation? Um, in Matthew 5 3, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, That blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's why a lowly brother can boast in his exaltation one day. But it's very interesting that it doesn't say that you can boast in your exaltation right now. It says, One day you will be able to boast in your exaltation. So it requires a changing of thinking in the mind of a Christian. <clears throat> so. Uh, we see um, they're called to boast in their exaltation, but it's not gonna happen now. So what does one do until the day happens when they will be exalted? Um, I think what the text calls us to do is to see life completely different. Um, We no longer look at our present circumstances as uh, the end goal. We rather look to the end. Well, one day we will be with Jesus and we will be exalted. And this is a hard thing to do, but it's what the text calls us. And the same goes for the rich. It says that the rich can boast in their humiliation. Like, what does that mean, that the rich can boast in their humiliation? Um, And as I was studying and as I was looking at this, uh, what I found was that uh, those who are rich, those who have much wealth, those who have an abundance of things, are called um, to boast because one day, their riches will pass away. Like the flower um, that passes away uh, as the heat um, withers it and it withers the grass and its beauty perishes, um, all our riches will one day pass away. We as human beings will one day pass away. And this is the same thing that will happen to our riches. And God is saying that we can humble ourselves knowing that all these things that we have right now will one day pass away. So stay humble. Like, don't, um, Uh, don't put your hope into all that you have, but rather put your hope in God for he will never pass away. Um, I think a a beautiful example of this is a a man named Job. You guys know him in the Bible. Um, The Bible calls him an upright man. He was blameless before God. He feared God. He even turned away from evil. It even says that he was the greatest of all the people in the East He had everything that he could ever um, imagine having, and yet in a blink of a second, he lost everything, Um, and I just love reading that story because it's truly humbling that when we do put our hope in riches, and when we do put our hope in our wealth, it could just go away in a second, so what I think the Word of God is calling us to do today is to take a posture of humility, either if you are rich or if you are poor, because Um, As the book of James will later say, humble yourselves and the Lord will lift you up. And so, this is God's word. We know that we can trust it. We know that we can trust in him, even though it sounds like a difficult thing to do. Um, And some of us, like I said, are maybe neither rich or neither poor. We maybe stand in the middle. Um, But today, on this Friday night, at Reality Carpinteria, at Abide, I believe that the Lord is calling us to fully depend and trust in him for everything. I believe that he's calling us to not wait until we have nothing or to not wait until we have much, but depend on him now. So if there ever does come a day when he blesses us with much, we'll know what to do. We'll know to be humble with it because it will one day pass away. And if there ever comes a day when we have nothing, we'll know what to do. We'll know that yes, this is hard, but one day I will be exalted, and that's what, he's coming, uh, that's what he's calling us to do today, and what Job says um, at the end of chapter one is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, um, but he says, naked I came from my mother's room, and naked I shall return. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Regardless of your riches, regardless of your poverty, blessed be the name of the Lord it's a beautiful thing. And now uh, for our second second point, um, we're gonna be looking at James 1.27. And this is another uh, just amazing verse. Uh, It says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Um, My second point for this would be, Jesus moves our hands towards the poor, towards the widows and the orphans in their affliction. If you guys remember, after the resurrection of Jesus in Matthew, uh, the great commission happens. He calls his disciples to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here in this passage in James, we see him reaffirm that. We see him echo that. That um, a religion that is pure and undefiled before God is one that is modeled after Jesus, that is modeled after the way that Jesus came to seek and save the lost, that is modeled after the way that Jesus came to seek and save us. And as Christians, we should seek to imitate the way that he came for us. Um, We know that Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the one that leaves the 99 to go after the one. Um, and so, as believers and as lovers of Jesus, we are called to go visit the orphans and the widows. And this is, this is so interesting because, you're, okay, uh, they're calling us to go visit the widows and the orphans. Like, that's already a big deal on themselves. A widow and an orphan is someone who has lost a loved one. They have lost someone and, it, like, they have suffered a tragedy. But it says in their affliction. Like I think that's like a key thing to look at because if you go visit an orphan and a widow, it's already gonna be a hard situation. But if you go visit them in their affliction, you're you're visiting them in the midst of their pain. You're missing them in the midst of their suffering. And this is what the text is calling us to do. Um, Jesus moves our hands towards the poor, towards the poor in spirit, like the orphan and the widow. Um, And just one story that I have um, about this is when I first became a Christian, So back in 2013, like four years ago... there was this man that lived by me. Uh, his name was Tony. And I didn't really know him that well, but I would see him in passing. He would just be doing stuff outside his house. Um, and so we just like, casually like, greeted each other and, and talked every once in a while. Um, but one day, uh, one day I, like, or actually over a period of days, I started noticing that he wouldn't be outside anymore. And so I asked my mom, like, what happened to Tony? And she said, well, like, Tony's like, really sick and like, he's in the hospital and he's actually like, in a coma. And she asked if I wanted to go visit. Visit, um, Tony with her. And I said, like, of course. Um, and so, like, we drove over to the hospital. We drove to Ventura to see Tony. And I just remember, like, walking into the hospital and already being, like, very afraid. Like, oh, man, like, I feel kind of weird. Like, this feels different than I would have, like, a year ago for some, like, odd reason. Um, and as we came into the room where uh, Tony was, uh, his wife was outside and like you can tell like that she had been like mourning and that she had been going through a lot. And immediately my mom embraced her and she hugged her and they just both began to cry. And like my heart like sunk because I felt her pain. I felt what she was going through. Um, she was in affliction. Um, she was about to be a widow. She was about to lose her husband. <clears throat> and so we sat in the room um, and my mom and, uh, and Tony's wife were just talking to each other, and eventually they stepped outside, and I just sat there in the room just staring at Tony on this bed, like, just eyes closed, like, with all the machines, like, on him and everything, like, you know how someone is when they're in a coma, and I was just staring at him, and then I just began to pray. I began to pray for him, and I, and I begged the Lord. I was like, Lord, like, heal him. Like, I've read in the Bible so many times that, like, you can do this. Like, you can wake him up from this coma of, like, if that's your will. So, like, Lord, please do that, and as I was praying for him, as I was there with him, um, I began to cry, and I began to just, like, grieve, and, like, for some weird reason, like, I hardly ever cried at all like, growing up. Like, I would never cry. And here I was, like, crying for this random guy that I, like, barely talked to ever. And it's because the Lord was starting to make my heart like his. Um, He calls us to go and visit the widows in their affliction. And I was like, and now I see it, like today, like teaching this text, like that's what we're called to do. And when we go and do these things, like we're moved with compassion for these people. And I sat there and I meditated um, on the words of Jesus when he said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And blessed are those who are shown mercy, um, for they will be shown mercy. Um, Jesus changes the hearts and lives of believers and makes his heart their hearts more like his. Uh, Another one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm 103 um, verse 8. And it says that the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. This is who our God is. This is who our Lord is. And if we seek after him, he will begin to make us more like him. And in the next part of this text, it says, or sorry, not yet um on the last part of this text it says and to keep oneself unstained from the world so like what does that mean now we know what it means to to visit the orphans and the widows and their afflictions but what does it mean to keep ones unstained from the world like what is that um and what i believe that james is trying to tell us is stay away from sin like keep yourself unstained from the world um We are called as Christians to be the salt and the light of the earth. Um, We all like have heard that verse, but we often find ourselves losing that saltiness. We often find ourselves being conformed to the ways of the world rather than being made more like Jesus. And I think James is warning us um, here in this passage, um, because what happens when we're stained by the world, at least in my experience, when I fall into sin, is that I lose my hunger for the Lord. I lose my thirst for the Lord. Um, My relationship is a With him when I'm being stained by the world. But um, here James is saying, rather, religion that is pure and undefiled before God is to keep oneself unstained from the world, to stay close to him, um, to stay in his word, to be in prayer, and to stay away from the schemes of the enemy. When our eyes are not set on Christ, but rather set on the things of the world, it actually affects our relationship with the Lord. And even though he isn't far, God is never far from us. We feel like we are far from him. That's an important thing to do, is to always set your eyes on the Lord and set your eyes on the things of the kingdom rather than the things of this world. And for our third passage, um, it's James 2, uh, 1 through 13. And it says this, uh, My brothers, uh, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring in fine clothing comes into your assembly, um, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who is wearing fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor... To so the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. Has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He has promised to those who love him, but you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blasphemy the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love. Your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act, are those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Um, this is another uh, hard passage, but so real and so applicable to us today. Today. Um, I always, like, when I was studying this, I always wanted to go back to what, like, Jesus would say about these things. And so when I originally read this, I was like, Jesus never showed any partiality. And what partiality is, it's an unfair bias in favor of one thing or a person. Rather, um, Jesus showed his uh, favoritism. He favored the lost. That's who he came after. So he didn't care whether you were poor or whether you're rich. He just came that you would know the truth. But we, like the people that James is addressing um, in this text, do show partiality. We do show favoritism, especially towards the rich and the poor. Um, what's going on here is uh, he like describes basically like an ordinary Sunday. A rich man comes into church and a poor man comes into church. Who do we pay more attention to? Of course, the one that's wearing the fine clothing. Of course... Um, the guy who has a nice boots, or the girl that's wearing a cute top, the girl that's all dressed up, or the guy who's looking fancy with this nice haircut. Like, we always pay attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothing. And we do say, like, oh, you come sit next to me. Like, I want to get to know you. I want to talk to you. But what about the poor man? We say, like, you stand over there. You sit down at my feet. And what's crazy here, it says, like, we don't even, like, offer them a seat. We say either stand or sit at, like, at my feet. With the, fi- with the person who's in fine clothing, we say, like, you sit here. And, like, this is so true of our generation. And um, I love how James addresses, he says, have you not then made distinction among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man." Um, What's so important to realize is, like, who would be the poor man in our society today? And immediately, I thought about the homeless community. Where is the homeless community in the Christian church? Um, I often come here on a Sunday in reality, and I wonder, like, oh, like, I wonder why there isn't, like, people from the homeless community here on Sundays. Like, is it because they feel uninvited? Is it because they feel unwelcomed? Is it because they feel unaccepted? Like, something, like, must be going on. Um, and then I thought of, like, my own self. Like, the times that I have seen, like, uh, someone who is homeless coming to church, I often, like, get this weird feeling of, like, suspicion. Like, ooh, I wonder what they're doing here. Like, something, like, must be going on. Like, this is kind of weird. Um, and, like, I was thinking about this. I was studying, and, like, I had to repent. Like, Lord, forgive me for even thinking of this. Like, forgive me for not greeting them the way that I would greet, like, another person. Um, and I know we've all heard this message before. Like, we've talked about this on Sundays before. Um, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Britt was uh, sharing how uh, here in CARP, like, there's actually a very large homeless community, and we often drive past them. We often walk past them, and we're like, oh, I feel bad for them. Like, like, Lord, help them. Like, bless them. Do something, you know? Like, just do something. But I can't do anything. Like, hands behind my back. Like, I'm stuck. I can't do anything. But, um, I think what the text is saying is, like, there is something to be done, and, like, I'm not telling you guys that you have to go and give every homeless person that you see money. Like, we'll all be broke if we do that. We won't have enough money to give everyone, but I'm calling you guys to show no partiality, to show no favoritism towards the poor. What about a simple, hey, how are you doing what about a simple like hey this is my name like nice to meet you like would you like to come to church like on a sunday like i'd love to sit with you i'd love to like sit next to you during a sermon like what about that um but god forbid that a homeless person sit next to you on a sunday like how uncomfortable would you feel anyone like how uncomfortable would you feel that if a homeless person sat next to you on a sunday like it's like very uncomfortable i would feel the same way too you guys aren't the only ones But there is like something to be done, and like another crazy thought, another crazy idea. What if we shared the gospel with a homeless person? Why if we shared the gospel with a person from the homeless community, what would happen? Um, A lot of people say, "Well, you know what, Jen? They're still going to be homeless." That's not going to change anything, so why even do that? I'd rather like, give some money to like, get them in some kind of service to get them a home and to get them um, into better living conditions, but I don't think that's what the Bible tells us. Um, I'm reminded of this story uh, when Peter walks past um, this lame man sitting at the pool, and he's begging for money, and Peter tells him, silver or gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus, stand and he was healed. What the gospel brings is it brings healing. It brings restoration. It brings transformation to people's lives. So why don't we do it? Why don't we share the gospel with people who, like, haven't heard the name of Jesus yet? Who knows what's going to happen? Why if their lives are so dramatically transformed that, like, they end up not being homeless anymore? I think we often restrict the power of the gospel by thinking that, like, oh, like Jesus can't really do anything to affect their living conditions, and so we live it at that. But like today, like I'm urging you guys: like, why if we actually do something about it? Why if we tell them about Jesus? And I believe that Jesus can do something about it. <clears throat> and then um, even like to finish off here, uh, he says: I think in the next second part of this, um, if you really fulfill. The, lo- the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And if you do that, you are doing well. Christians, everyone who's here in this room today, how are you doing at loving the neighbor, your neighbor as yourself? Like, think about it and what comes up? What happens? Because this is something that I'm really struggling today um i have shown partiality and what it says here is that we have committed sin if we have done this partiality is a sin neglection of the poor is a sin favoritism is a sin but rather so what like what do we do about this here it says that we should live as people whom mercy has been shown to for with mercy um for to, to those who have been shown mercy, there will be mercy. But to those who have shown no mercy, no mercy will be shown. It's very clear. And I love this, the last line of this. It says, mercy triumphs over judgment. There's a very popular worship song that's called, uh, that has this line, and I love that song. But um, that's like, that's the truth, that mercy does triumph over justice. So, Christians today, let's live as people who have been shown mercy uh, to others who have yet to hear the good news. Let Jesus move your hands towards the poor. And uh, the last passage, which is James 5, 1 through 6. Uh, This one's a bit more on the serious note, uh, and this is what it says. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasures in the last days, and behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you have kept back by fraud, are crying out against you and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. This is a gnarly text, and I think what we can see here um, is a warning to the rich a warning to those who have stored up treasures on earth rather than treasures in heaven. And in this passage, uh, James foretells what is gonna happen to the people that have done this. Um, And what's gonna happen to them is actually what happened to the stuff that they've stored up. Their gold and silver has corroded. Um, Their clothes, they've been eaten by moths. Um, They have decayed. Um, And this, this is what's gonna be happening. And besides that, they've also um, withheld the wages of the laborers who mowed their fields they've also um, committed fraud against them um, the, the rich people back in the day they would have more power in the courts of justice than of course in the poor so if something was going wrong if the poor were complaining the, po- the rich man would have more power than they would in the courts of justice so actually an innocent person um, could be found guilty uh, because of the power that the rich had. And here, um, James says, you have condemned and murdered the righteous person. But we have a God who hears the cries um, of injustice. It says that the Lord of hosts has heard uh, the cries of those um, who have cried out of the injustice done against them. Um, and this, this text was a little bit more personal to me because of the fact that it says, behold the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields and, those, uh, and the harvesters... Um, I work in a ranch with my father. This is something that I've been doing my whole life. And I know how hard this work is. And if I was ever working and... Um, whoever was paying me withheld the wages. I would be really upset because it's really hard work, and I do not want to be in the sun for a whole day and just get roasted and be completely dead to not be paid. And that's exactly what these rich people were doing uh, to the poor. Um, and what's also interesting to look at here um, is what the escalation of sin that happens when it goes unrepented of. First of all, they're keeping their gold and their silver. Um, and their clothes, and they're, they're just living a greedy lifestyle. And then what, what happens after that? They refuse to pay their laborers. And then what happens after that? They commit fraud against them because they don't want to pay them. And then what happens after that? They murder because these people are sentenced to murder because they're accused um, uh, unjustly. And so this is what happens when sin goes unrepentative, and we see this clearly in this passage. <clears throat> and uh, also this warning. Is not just to the rich. This warning is to every single one of us who has stored up treasures on earth rather than in heaven. Uh, And instead, we should look once again to Jesus for the way to live. We should look um, to him uh, as a mean of. as a mean of, a, of an example of a self-sacrificial life rather than self-satisfying um, or for our own purposes. Jesus said in Matthew six nineteen through 21, "'Do not lay up treasures for yourself on earth "'where moth and rust destroy "'and where thieves break in and steal.'" But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart shall be also. And my question for you guys today is, where is your heart today? Is it stored up with treasures on earth, or is it with your eyes set to heaven on Christ? Um, Because this will dramatically affect the way that you live. And uh, to finish off, I want to share with you guys this story um, that I feel like the Lord has really put in my heart. Uh, it was from a sermon that, I don't know if you guys know, Francis Chan gave here at Reality about seven years ago. Um, I wasn't going here at the time, but I was just kind of doing some research and wanted to hear what people had talked about in the past here at church. Um, and what he said like really affected like, my life in a dramatic way. Um, Francis was talking about how people always doubt God. Like with everything, people always doubt God. Um, he had just started his, his own church and he was um, starting to decide whether he, uh, how big of a salary he should take. And people were giving advice, like maybe you should take this much or maybe you should take this much. And he didn't want to take that much money because he wanted to use it to bless people rather than uh, for himself. Um, but Francis had a family. Um, he had kids, and people were like, Francis, like, you need to take a bigger salary than that. Like, one day your kids are going to go to college, and you need to have money saved up to pay for their education. And Francis like, okay, I'll take some money. And, like, he ended up taking, I think, like, I believe, like, $30,000 per year. Like, almost, like, nothing. Just he's like, but I'll be fine with that. Like, the Lord will provide. So he started taking $30,000 per year, and obviously things started getting hard. He said that one time um, his refrigerator broke down. and He's like, oh shoot, I don't know if I'm gonna have enough money to buy a fridge. If you guys know refrigerators, they're pretty expensive. Um, and he said that random stuff would, like, happen. He said that the next day at church, um, a man came up to him. He's like, hey, Francis, like, do you need an extra fridge, bro? I accidentally bought two yesterday. Like, just, like, stuff like, like, stuff like that, like, would happen. Like, God would provide. And he said, I had countless stories of this going on. Um, so he's like, if God keeps providing, like I'm going to keep obeying him and like whatever he's calling me to do. Um, and like he kept like thinking this way because God was opening his eyes to what was going on in the world. Um, There was people, uh, there was actually even people around him who were in need. need. There was people overseas who were in need. There was people that needed clean water. There was people that were dying because they did not have food. And he was thinking, like, how can I, who have uh, this abundance of wealth, um, well, not even that much, but who has something, like, how can I not give to my brothers and sisters who are in need, um, knowing that God will provide for me here? Um, So he continued to do this, and he continued to give, and he continued, to take his little tiny bitty salary, um, and God continued to call him to give more. Um, the next year, God called him to give $50,000, and he's like, God, I don't even make $50,000 per year. Like, how am I supposed to like, give that? At the end of the year, he ended up making $50,000. He gave it right back to the Lord. The next year, he felt like God was calling him to give $100,000, and what did he do with that? He gave it right back to the Lord. And this kept going on and people kept saying, Francis, like there is something wrong with you. Like you need to stop giving money away and need to start being smart and think about like your future life and how you're going to be able to take care of your family. The year after that, God called him to give a million dollars how is he going to give a million dollars? Some of you guys are maybe thinking, where was he even getting this money from? Like, was he taking it off from the church? Did he have like a side job? Like what was Francis doing? Um, What ended up happening was that he wrote this book called crazy love. I don't know if any of you guys have read that book. It's an amazing book. And I'd recommend it to all of you guys, but he ended up making a million dollars off selling this book, which is insane because it shows you like what happens when you trust God. And like, um, this was a testimony of that. Um, And of course, he gave that, all that money away back. Um, And it was so funny because he kind of ended off saying like, because you know, and obviously he's still making money on that book today. Like people are still buying that book. So he'll still like get money, but he gave away the rights to the book as well. He gave it to some charity. So like he doesn't even get money from that anymore either. And it just like really encouraged me in my faith and really encouraged me like, wow, like this is like the attitude and this is the faith that I should have like as a Christian to constantly uh, give back to the Lord um, when he gives to us. And like he also said something that really impacted me as well. He said that we only think emergencies are emergencies uh, when they affect us and our family. He's like, but what about when they're affecting other people? What about when they're affecting um, our Christian brothers and sisters around the world? What about the refugees? Um, What about the orphans and the widows, like we talked about earlier? Like, what about them? Like, yes, of course, God cares for them, but we Christians are also called to act um, in these things. Like, what about the people who need water? What about the people who are starving? Um, And like, Francis did care, and like, God blessed that he was obedient to give, and God provided for him every step of the way. And so what I want to encourage you guys today and what I want to say is to continue trusting in the Lord and he will provide. Um, Whatever circumstance you're in, whether you have a lot or whether you have a little, keep trusting in the Lord. Like really like give it all up to him. Like Francis like gives us an example of really giving everything back to the Lord. Like really give it all back to him. And like, and I want to hear about the amazing things that God will do. Like when you guys ask, Act out in faith, Um, and you know what? I love the Bible so much because it shows us how God has been faithful to His people for thousands of generations. Like, yes, uh, Francis, uh, God was faithful to Francis, like uh, like ten years ago. But God has been faithful for thousands of years, and He will continue to be faithful today. Um, And if you aren't convinced with that, if that is like isn't enough to convince you, let us look um, to God's Son. Jesus. Um, I love love this verse. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for, for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus gave it all for us. Jesus gave his life for us. He paid for the full debt of our sin and our transgressions so that we may be right with God. He did not hold anything back. So today, Christian, do not hold anything back from God. He's the one that gives it to you in the first place, so give it all right back to him. Um, So as we go into worship, as we seek God's face, I want you guys to get on your knees before him, and maybe there's something in your hearts that that God is stirring that you haven't gave to him yet, and honestly, like, release it to him. Release it to him, saying, here, Lord, here you go. Like, you take control of this. Like, I like, relinquish the power to whatever thing that I'm holding on to, and I'm saying that this is yours, and, like, God will bless that, and, like, if there's anything, maybe, too, that you're holding back, if there's any bitterness, if there's any resentment against any person that you haven't let go of, like, God calls us, like we spoke about early, earlier, to show no partiality, to show no favoritism, to love all people equally, regardless of what has happened, Um, And so, and then lastly, lastly, as we go into worship, um, this is called abide, like we call this abide. So like, let's abide with the Lord. Let's enjoy his presence. Let us sit with him. Um, Let us just let him fill you up. Um, One of the, one of the Psalms says, um, In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy and there's pleasures, like, forevermore. Pleasures forevermore. Like, think about that today, Christian. With God, there's pleasures forevermore. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much um, for this opportunity to come and to, to hear your word. Uh, thank you that it's simple and that it's clear and that it's not complicated. Um, that you teach us and that you instruct us, God, because you love us and you want to show us um, what the good life is. You want to show us um, how to be closer to you. Um, you want us to to dwell with you you want us to be in your presence for in your presence there's fullness of joy and there's pleasures forevermore and so now God as we worship would you just help us let go of whatever we have whatever is in our hearts that we haven't given over to you Um, whatever we haven't whatever we haven't given up control of today we want to say Lord you take it You take control of this. You are better than whatever thing this is, whatever relationship, whatever circumstance, whatever doubt, whatever fear. We want to give it up to you, Father. And we trust, God, that you will still care for us. You will still provide for us. And would you give us even more faith, God? Would you give us more faith to trust in you, to trust in your word, to trust in who you are, God? You are faithful. You have been faithful for thousands of generations and and you will be faithful to us today, God. Um, so now let us set our eyes on you, God. Thank you that for those who have trusted in Jesus, for those who have given their lives over to you, uh, there's no longer any condemnation, God. Um, we Our slates have been wiped as white as snow um, because of your blood, Jesus. You have taken that all away. Father, thank you that mercy triumphs over judgment for those um, who have given their lives to you, Father. Just thank you, God. And now would you be with us as as we worship? Would your Holy Spirit just fill this room? Uh, Would you take away any distractions, God? Anything that is keeping our eyes off of you? And would you just help us fully focus, God, and just be with you?